Uh, well, I guess I'll just have to talk about Christopher George's dingle with you guys then. <laughs> All right. Works for me. <laughs> To the Sin Beef Podcast, long two there. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill, and uh, with me, as usual, is Jamie. How you doing? Hello, I'm doing very well. Glad to be here. Uh, Iris and Suzanne are on assignment, uh, killing vegans for the greater good. But uh, with us tonight, from the Projection Booth Podcast, and of course the Kolchak tapes with. I didn't even watch Cold Shack, but I've listened to a few episodes, and I, I, I really can get into it. Uh, Mr. Mike White's here. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's always, always a gift, man, for you to show up. It's a good time. Uh, yeah, it's been a while, so uh, tell the folks what you got going on, sir, in case they don't know what you got going on. Well, yeah, still doing the two podcasts, and then guest starring occasionally on fine shows such as this, uh, the two podcasts are the projection booth and the cold check tapes and yeah this year has been kind of weird on uh the projection booth we've been kind of all over the map and our november moved to february our september is still going to be happening but the summer has just been all over the map we're covering uh you know some weird conspiracy thrillers and comedies that aren't funny so yeah we've got a whole bunch of stuff coming up cool um, yeah, I guess we'll start the show the same way we start every show, and I'll uh, ask our guest, Mike, what's he been watching lately? Oh, geez. If I'm not watching stuff for the podcast, then I'm definitely derelict in my duties. Uh, so I've been watching a lot of things for that. Uh, I've also been watching uh, the Thai version of RuPaul's Drag Race, which has been absolutely amazing. Somebody fan sub that and i just can't get enough of it unfortunately it's only eight episodes so i'm kind of spacing them out because i don't want to od on on thai drag queens right now but yeah it's it's great and then i'm i is shouldn't that admit it by rupaul as well no it is okay. uh, t- two drag queens from thailand and uh but mama Ru just showed up on one of the episodes and they were all so excited to have her there which was great so that was kind of neat and they used the same uh music when the main host comes out they use you know cover girl and she <laughs> steps out on stage so yeah it's interesting to see the cultural differences with that and also to have one of the drag queens from the Philippines speak exclusively English and I just keep wondering does she understand them? Do they understand her? But yeah, it, it's it's really neat to see and then the subtitler will also give like tons of notes up in the top of the screen and be like this is a play on words. This means this and this means that. So when they say them together it means this thing and I'm like 
That's oh. cool. Okay. I'm sure, I'm sure multiple. So. Of my, my I think, but yeah. <laughs> I'm sure multiple listeners of ours will enjoy that that tie, that tie version of RuPaul's Drag Race is a thing, and they'll by seek it out. It's out there. And yeah, it's uh, available now uh, on your favorite bootleg sites. So I won't say any more than that. Okay. <laughs> well, you don't have access, so they could forgive Mike, okay? Yes. <laughs> as soon as I find the Middle East version of Project Runway, I will be so happy. Man, also is Project Runway still on? No, they are a victim of the Weinstein debacle. Okay, because I always DVR'd that show, and then it stopped showing up, and I was like, "What happened? Is it not?" And I don't see it like in my up, like upcoming, you know, going to start recording or like you know, on my whatever my my list. And so they they did one last kind of a lukewarm all-stars season and that was it man i loved that show anything else mike no that's about it though i I don't want to admit how excited i am to see the avengers and hope i'm not disappointed oh i'll I'll be going on friday morning when all the children are in school so i'll be i'll enjoy it more that way yeah i don't know when i'll see it this weekend so i'm i'm trying to work out some schedules cool uh jamie what you been watching a whole lot of hitch i saw huh uh, yes, uh, we are into our Hitchbox, Hitchbox cut set, Hitchcock cut, but <laughs> our Hitchbox cock set is what I was trying to say. Our Hitchbox. Wow. Uh, no, our that sounds. <laughs> it sounds like a sounds good like double feature I could pick up with RuPaul's Adam Drag Race. Yes. <laughs> uh, but only if I used promo code booth. Very nice. <laughs> so, um. We are in our Hitchcock box set for Attack of the Colossal Collection, and I have been enjoying the hell out of that and lamenting the fact that this division is no longer in use because those are some beautiful films. But that's mainly what I've been watching lately is a lot of Hitchcock. And uh, just today we did North by Northwest. So that makes me happy. But I also had to pause and do a couple of movies for Devour the Podcast. Excellent films like Embrace of the Vampire. Yes. <laughs> and uh, this, like, uh, 2010, 2011 movie or something around there, something around that time called Ink, which is kind of like a dark fantasy film. I don't recommend it. But oh, um, I think some a-hole recommended that to you on on Facebook. Was that you? I neither confirm nor deny it. <laughs> oh my God. Because I asked Bo and I said, who was it that recommended this film? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, I, uh, he's like, I tried to look and find the post where I made it to see who recommended it, but I couldn't find it. And that was while we were recording. He was going to go back and check and I haven't talked to him since. So I don't know. What he did. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wild. I um I didn't like it. I haven't seen it. You just were looking for suggestions. So oh I suggested God. Jesus Camp and you guys turned it down. So <laughs> man, I think I would have preferred Jesus Camp. Yeah. I um well the thing is it it has some interesting ideas. There are some really interesting visual things going on, but I kinda I go into it a lot more on Devour, but it's it's just very um 
very mundane in its storytelling. It's very basic as far as the story goes. So it was kind of disappointing because when it first started, the visuals were really cool for an, like a low budget film. I was impressed. And then um, they didn't really do much with it story wise. So, you know, there's that. And I guess that's about it lately. I can't say I ever completed uh, Embrace of a Vampire because, you know, Alyssa Milano's naked parts. You know, I just watch it for that parts. And I'm sure there's a plot there somewhere. I couldn't tell you what it is, though. You know, I gotta say, it has a very different effect watching it now than it did when I was in my 20s. Oh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I'm for me, it has a very different effect now than it did when I was watching it in my 20s. It Now it just makes me laugh. It is... <laughs> Oh, I'm sure it's very cheesy. It is laughable and very 90s. Oh, my God. But Makes, makes, makes me want to watch those Poison Ivy sequels, huh? Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> you know, Poison Ivy 2, which Alyssa Milano was also in, is the same director. Oh, wow. That doesn't surprise me at all. So, at there's all. <laughs> that. But Vanessa and I go off on this whole... Like, what it was like to be in the 90s thing with decor and everything. And Bo is completely lost. He has no idea what we're talking about. I mean, he was there. He just doesn't pay attention to stuff like that. So, so you're saying me, me and Bo have the same problem with the the, the ladies going at it and then did one beat one dude. Yeah, pretty much. Well, one hot dog in the water. <laughs> <laughs> well, not today. Not today, no. I'm all alone. All right, as far as me, what I'm watching, I, I went to the movies on this past Sunday, and I saw three movies that I was looking forward to. Well, two, and one's the popcorn film that I saw in the middle. I wouldn't disappoint. Uh, what I'll talk about right now. I saw Isle of Dogs, which is the new Wes Anderson movie, which I'm, I'm a fan of. I mentioned last show, and this was one that I have to mark off the list as well, because this is a new one, and it's uh, that funky stop-motion animation that I don't love so well, and had a neat little plot where dogs are banished to an island because they made people sick, supposedly. And and I, lo- I love the way they they, <clears throat> they did the film. If you watch it, go see the film. At the beginning of the film, they say that um that basically they're gonna let the folks talk in Asian in in in, in Japanese or, or I think I think it's yeah, Japanese. I believe it is. Uh-huh. Uh, have the dogs talk in English, but they're not talking English. The barks have been trisla- translated to English, so they're not saying that they actually talk. It's just that they they made an audio track for the dogs barking, and I thought it was kind of clever. And the film was kind of clever. I, I enjoyed it uh, way more than the Fantastic Mr. Fox, which I actually saw this week as well because I never watched that one. And it was it's okay. It's it's the Fox of the Hen House BS, and you know Clooney acting silly with his voice. And I uh, I didn't like it as much as Isle of Dogs. And I think um, our friends at the Deuce Podcast, uh, Jeremy and Brad. So that's towards their bottom of the Wes Anderson list, and I'm, I'm tempted to agree with them. The Fantastic Mr. Fox, and it sits right there with the Darjeeling Limited for me. Like I said, I gotta watch that again to to get the full to see if I don't like it all the way. But it's at the bottom of the list as well. Um, what else? Oh, I saw Rampage. That was the middle film with with the Rock and nice. the Giant Ape. Oh, we saw Jumanji. Speaking of the Rock. Did you, I heard you guys enjoyed it pretty good, huh? I did. It was so funny. I I mean, he, Jack Black, and Kevin Hart, and Karen Gillan were just incredible together, I thought. I had a really that's, good time. That's the only time Kevin Hart works is when he's with The Rock. Because I don't like anything else he's in except for that Jumanji movie and that Central Intelligence movie. 
So if you put those two together in a film, I'll probably watch it because they seem to work well together. But um, Rampage is uh, the rock with a giant ape and the ape gets bigger and they come giant ape uh, George, giant lizard Lizzie, and giant wolf uh, Ralph come to Chicago and tear that shit up. And it's a popcorn movie, and that's all it is. So it's one of those good ones to go see them tear shit up. And it's it's a lot of fun for that reason. I'm not saying it's going to be Academy Award winning, but when I seen the, the Tribune gave it one and a half stars, I was like, I'm going to really enjoy this movie because you guys gave it one and a half stars. Because you didn't know what you were watching, obviously. It's a, it's a movie based on a button masher, and they did a fine job. And I know the, the creator of the game was really happy with it, and that's good enough for me. So, <laughs> yeah, it worked for me. Yeah. Did you see it too, Mike? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, the third film was uh, Super Troopers 2, because I said I was going to go see that too. And that film uh, is 17 years since the first one, and it kind of shows. Because the problem with that movie is it, you really got to like those Broken Lizard guys, and I do. But their co-stars uh, outshine them in that movie, and that's a, that's a problem with Super Troopers 2. Because Will Sasso's really funny in it, and Rob Lowe is really funny in it. But a lot of their jokes that they do, like a lot of the pranks they do in that movie, are really one note. And some of them have been, have been done before by other films and been more funny. So if you're a fan of that, that comedy troupe, I've, I've seen them live in the city, and they're fucking hilarious, and they're really nice guys. But and they, um, I recommend you see it for yourself, and you might get a lot more laughs out of it than I did. It's just, It's just not... It's not up there. I think their their top film for me is is Beer Fest. If I had to pick a a top Broken Lizard movie, I'd pick Beer Fest. Um, probably Super Troopers in a second and Club Dread at a third, because I I think Club Dread is under talked about and I think they knew precisely what they were doing with that movie, being that 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 slasher thing. And people are like, oh, this is stupid. Like, if you watch slasher movies from the eighties, this is precisely what they're making fun of. This this whole movie and yeah, what else? Oh, I watched um, I got Paddington Two on digital, so I rewatched the first one, and it's got that Weinstein stink on it because at the beginning, you know, it's the, the Weinstein, and like, nah. But then you watch it, it's, it's still pretty great. And I made a comment to court <laughs> that Sally Hawkins in that movie is the same gal from Shape of Water. She's kind of giving that bear them come and fuck me eyes too, and it's kind of strange. Once you see, once you see in Shape of Water, you see the way she's glaring at that poor marmalade loving bear, and it's really really weird. But I've had so many folks come out of the woodwork tell me how much they love those Paddington films, and that makes me happy because these are films that you have to really take a chance on to sit down and watch them to see, how, you know, how enjoyable they are, and they really are. I think they really made a fine set of films there, the first one and the second one. Oh, what else? Uh, not a whole lot more. I mean, not that, not that I can remember, but um, I was going to watch that Cyborg Blu-ray today, but it didn't come in the mail today. It went somewhere else, and that's upsetting, because I know uh, Mr. Pune had some, some input in that, that new special edition Blu-ray, and so I'll talk about that next time. Oh, Jamie Sammons, we watched a film that I think you guys should all check out. Um, the, the, the Burning Moon, which is a Olaf, Olaf Ittenbach film. It's a He's a German... A director, and that's shot on video and gory and stupid and delightful all at the same time. And I recommend if you haven't seen it yet, we have the two drink minimum commentaries coming out. But while as we're recording this, I'll release it after. Um, it's a, it's really a stupid, gory, dummy fall 
head-exploding good time, and I, I recommend people check it out. Interesting. Oh, well, I'll send it your way if you want to watch it, <laughs> for sure. Um, that's about it for me, but we'll go into our next segment, which is the Beef Bitches and Mashed Potatoes. Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't know what to fry. Mine's the juke deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? Our guest first, Mike. Uh, what's pissing you off? Is there anything in particular? Jeez. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, other than being pissed off every single day uh, for the last year and a half, uh, I have. Oh, yeah, there's that. No additional pissed offness at the moment. <laughs> okay. Oh, better get, uh, Jamie, then. What do, what do you say, girl? Um, You know, I don't really have anything. That's pissing me off right now. I do have something that kind of made me happy today. And it's like an update on the Count Dankula court case thing. Um, Now, this guy, he's the... I can never remember his real name, so I was always calling him Nazi dog guy. Um, He's the guy who tried to train... Or who trained his girlfriend's pug to, like, make a Nazi salute and other things to piss her off. And he stupidly posted it on youtube and which was just outright dumb i mean the whole thing is dumb like it's a bad joke but i truly do not believe the guy is a nazi i think he was kidding even if he wasn't doesn't matter because he got arrested and was convicted of committing a hate crime which that is just it's not you know and i don't agree with nazis i don't support nazis I don't hang out with racists of any kind, not on purpose. If I find out people are like that in any way, then I cut ties with them. I have no use for that in my life. However, I am a staunch believer in free speech. We have to protect free speech or we're in fucking trouble. And part of the price of living in a society where you want to maintain free speech is you have to put up with people who say things you don't like. And it's okay. It's not going to kill you. So the way I've always looked at it is, say whatever's on your mind. That actually helps me weed out the people I don't want to spend time with. So you make it easier on me by being able to let your assholishness be known. At any rate, he's not going to serve jail time. However, they still find him 800 pounds. And this is in UK, by the way. And... I'm just, you know, while, yay, no jail time, because of something he said on the internet, which just to me is just fucking ridiculous that that's even a thing. I'm sorry. I I just, I I can't, I mean, it just, it just worries the shit out of me because this is a very, very dangerous precedent that they're setting. And if this is allowed, then, I mean, just think about it, you know, think about it really hard. If you're okay with what they're doing to him, think about what would happen if someone didn't like something that you said. If someone deemed something you said offensive. And how long before – who gets to decide? Who is the deciding factor on who gets to spend time in jail and who doesn't? So it's really scary. and I think it's a lot scarier than people want to admit or even want to think about it. But anyway – 
So he put up a GoFundMe or, GoFund or it was some kind of fundraising thing for an appeal. And he needed $100,000 for uh, to appeal this verdict. And he raised that plus in just a single day. So that makes me happy. I really need for this to be appealed and a need for it to be reversed. Now, even though this isn't in, in the U.S., something like that starts somewhere and then you never know. And it just it scares me because whether or not I like what you say, whether or not I think it's OK that you say what you say, I will always defend your right to say it because that is something that we need to hold on to. I mean, I think we've all read 1984. I don't want to live there. So anyway, I was angry about that in the past. Now there's a little bit of a glimmer of hope. I'm really hoping that something happens with this appeal because honestly, things like that scare the shit out of me. I'm done. <laughs> put, put that away. No, no. Mine's a lot, lot more, a uh, lot less uh, political, but a whole lot more bitchingness about uh, well, one of them is I'll get into the to the to the to the, to the rough one first because uh, there was a story that came up and the Waffle House is not going to get good press right now, people, and this is sad. But um, I'll just start the story by saying don't don't sweat the small stuff like pay, paying for plastic utensils because there was a woman I think it was in Alabama Waffle House and uh, no, thank got, God it's not Georgia. <laughs> got it. I, I might have been. I forget which 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 state it was in. No, it was not. I'm sure. I don't know the story yet, but I'm sure it wasn't. <laughs> But she got into it with the people at the Waffle House about paying for, paying for plastic utensils, and then the police were called, and then they got really stupidly police irate, say, you know, throwing the woman to the ground, I guess, and they had to have her some kind of arm bar, because the, the officer threatened to break her arm, I guess they have this all on video, apparently, and her breasts were exposed from this, and all this oh craziness, God. all over fucking plastic utensils. Why so, was she? Why were? Why were they trying to make her pay for plastic utensils? I, apparently, this is the thing at the Waffle House. I've never, I've never eaten there. there there's it never used to me. be. Yeah, but this is the thing now. Apparently, at this Waffle House that she was required to pay for these plastic utensils, and she did not was not having a good time with that. And I don't know. I may be pissed about it too. If I go to a restaurant, I don't expect to have to pay additional for my utensils. Now, not knowing the story, I don't know yeah, the extent I, of it. I didn't watch the video because I don't want to see this. Me. I don't want to see this woman getting abused by the police, so I didn't bother watching the video and heard what was said all the way. But that's how it started, and I, I, I don't sweat the small stuff for for crazy reasons like that. And I've heard people get really ignorant with the police for really no good reason and get thrown back in the squad car, and, and you know just. Really, really bad stuff, but I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that one alone because you know the Waffle House get a lot of bad press and that's a yeah. Unfortunately, that's a, that's the way it goes, man. Waffle House shooter, Waffle House woman getting thrown to the ground by the police. That's a bad stuff. I know that's bad, and I miss Waffle House. Mm, I never eaten there. I've only heard about it. There's one in Sylvania, Jamie, that we drive down to every once in a while. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah, so it's about an hour. Well, it's an hour for us. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for the heads up. Sure, no problem. And uh, this is nothing new on this show, but uh, I don't know if Brian's ever been to one. We're taking a trip. (laughs) There you go. Yes. (laughs) Uh, nothing new on this show, but James Cameron's running off his mouth again about you know 
these Marvel, when are, when are these Avengers films going to end and yada, yada, yada. And like, <laughs> so they can make way for his next four Avatar movies. You know, yeah, like, like exactly you know, that we've all been clamoring to see. When's it gonna stop? <laughs> like, how about never? Because they're a fucking cash cow. No matter when they come out, they're gonna make money. You know. I don't know. I mean, do you think so? I, think I mean, so. do you think people really want to see them? Because no, no, not not the Avengers, not the Avatar movies, but like these Marvel. Oh. Films. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think I think Avatar waited a little bit too long. They, 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 they let that 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 souffle rest a little too long, and now it's sunken by now. Yeah, I think the the time for shitting or getting off the pot waved by by a long time ago for James Cameron with those Avatar films, and I think we discussed this when we did the um, the Avatar review of sorts on our show about how people aren't really going to care about them when they come out because it's been so long since the last one came out, and. I think it's just concentrated on more things like give me a, a a Blu-ray of True Lies, something I actually want to watch, and you know, li- leave it alone. But uh, this is James Cameron. This is the same guy who uh, was, was saying, you know what, that Patty Jenkins ain't no good. I was like, you know what, you're gonna get jumped all over the internet for that. Why ain't you dumbass? It's just uh, I think these people just forget what age they live in, the, the, the social media age. For when you say something stupid or ignorant, they're just gonna jump all over you like it's nobody's business. Doesn't matter if they know you. They just they're just there. They just jump all over you like I am right now. So fuck that guy. You make as many more, <laughs> make as many Marvel films as you want to, as long as they're making you money. I mean, if you look at the stuff that's coming out this summer, you have Incredibles two, you have Wreck It Ralph two, you have the Han Solo movie, you have Avengers, and you have you have the the Wasp and Ant Man movie. The summer is going to be owned by Disney. There's and the, the, not. One of those is an original property. It's not, but they're exactly. all owned, they're all owned by Disney. Also, there's Jurassic World. Well, that's not a Disney. I'm just another. Saying, no, I know, but it's another sequel. One yeah, that I'm highly a, anticipating. There was a time there a few years ago where it was like three three parters were all summer, like whatever. Whenever Shrek three came out, and it was just one of the most miserable summers ever. So I hope that this year's a little bit better with the sequels rather than the threequels, but still, it's like, yeah, where's the original stuff, guys? Yeah, I'd like to get more stuff like A Quiet Place. That'd yeah, be nice. There's that, which I haven't seen yet. It just didn't line up with the stuff I was going to go see. That was going to be my, sam- that was going to be my sandwich movie on Sunday, but it didn't line up, so I went and paid for that shitty IMAX converted uh, Rampage, which that's another thing I can't stand is the IMAX converted theaters. Where I pay the same five bucks as if I went to go see the actual IMAX, but you make your screen slightly bigger and there's grain in my film, which, you know, and there's fancy IMAX projectors, there should be no grain whatsoever in that film, and it was, it was like out of focus almost, and it was really weird. So I like whoever coined the term LIMAX, really works very well. Well, that's great. Ah. That's a great term, because it really is, because I've been to. There's a. There's an IMAX, um, actual IMAX in, in uh, Portage, Indiana, and an actual IMAX at Navy Pier, and that screen is massive. You know, it, it covers the whole room almost, and that's that's a real deal IMAX, not this IMAX converted. I have no desire to go to a 4D movie where they're spraying water in my face and blowing wind at me and moving my seat as like... A bug's life. A bug's life. That's when I went to Animal Kingdom. That was my first experience, and it was like 98. That was my first experience with that, and it was so much fun. 
Yeah. Although if I watch it now, I'll probably feel a little weird about I, that's my problem. I feel a little weird about Kevin Spacey and everything now. Especially, I won't even watch American Beauty anymore. It's just, it's just, you know, it's just. You know, strange. I um, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I like movies. I mean, I, I get. I mean, I've. It's like if if I'm going to be continuing to watch Rosemary's Baby. And various other Polanski films that I've watched over the years. No, I'm I'm not gonna stop watching other stuff though. Like I mean, like how much I do I love Seven? A lot. I'm not I mean, gonna stop watching oh, Seven no. because I mean, Kevin Spacey's in the, it. The subject know. matter in American Beauty, if you break it down. Oh, that's true. Yes, that's what makes me. I'll, I'll still go watch, you know, uh, Glenn Glenn yeah. Larry Gary Ross all day long. It's a good movie. And I won't let it sully my experience, but you watch a movie like American Beauty where it has those overtones in it, and you look at what he did, I was like, yeah, this is kind of creepy now. I don't need to watch this movie anymore. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, you know how I feel about Thor Birch, right, Jamie? You know you know that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Yeah, well. that's a good point. That's specifically American Beauty. I can see that. But damn, I really do love that movie, too. It's good. It's good. Annette Benning is so good in that. Oh yeah, she's a, she's a she's pretty great in a lot of things that I've seen. But uh, we're gonna cut through to the the subject of this show, which are two yeah. films where uh, guys escape from prison that both involve Jim Brown. Uh, one being I Escape from Devil's Island, and one being The Slams. And we're gonna get into I Escape from Devil's Island right after this. Hey, did you guys ever notice that podcasts talk about the same movies over and over again? Yeah, as much as I love Friday the 13th, I don't need another show telling me how good it is. Exactly. Same thing goes for Halloween. It's a great movie, but come on, there's other stuff out there. There should be a show that highlights movies that everyone else seems to skip over. Like, oh, I always wanted to talk about Absentia. And I want someone to cover the room. The Skeleton Key's a good one. Then let's just do one. We can call it The ABCs of Hidden Horror. And we'll go through the alphabet talking about our favorite horror flicks that get ignored. Great idea! I know what my first one's gonna be. Join Brian, Dave, and me, Jamie, for the ABCs of Hidden Horror on the Horrorphilia Network, where we might discuss some of your neglected favorites or introduce you to something new. In a world gone mad. As you know, the doomsday clock is a symbolic clock face analogizing humankind's proximity to extinction. One man must fight to survive on the global junkie of the future. You maniacs! You blew it up! Ah, oh, damn you! God damn you all to hell! Which versus the Doomsday Clock is that man's story? His search for entertainment is transmitted across time and space. For your listening pleasure on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and your Android device. This podcast is not fit for human consumption. Side effects include laughter, concern, nausea, vomiting, and blame for more purposes. The producers accept our responsibility for any side effects, illness, or death by keeping my calls. My back guarantee is worth nothing. Zero, 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 uh, other roll, no sausage. In short, you get nothing. Nothing. Good day, sir. Uh, I escaped from Devil's Island from 1973. Uh, Plot, cheapo plot synopsis is this. In 1916, a group of prisoners plot their escape from the notorious fortress located in French Guinea. Was it, is it Guinea or? I was here, Guyana. Guyana, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. 
This, of course, stars Jim Brown, uh, Christopher George, who you guys know from tons of stuff as well, Richard Eli, James Luisi, oh, Paul Richards, Richard Rust, and I'm sure some other folks that I don't even know these people are. So we're going to get into this right now. I'll, uh, I'll ask our guest first, Mike, uh, what he thought of this film. Well, I have never made it all the way through, and this is my secret shame, I've never made it all the way through Papillon. Um, though, as I was watching this movie, I couldn't stop thinking of Papillon, just the few things that I remembered yes. from it. Um, I actually enjoyed this quite a bit. Uh, I like the way that it would shift from uh, you know the, the main part of the prison drama at the beginning to when they... You know, they they give away the spoiler right there in the title. They escape from Devil's Island, and then it turns into this crazy movie, this whole other crazy movie. And um, it reminded me a lot of the prison films that like Jack Hill did. It reminded me of the Big Birdcage. Uh, I there was even one of the guards that reminded me a lot of Vic Diaz, and I I would have liked Vic Diaz better than the guards, but. You know, you can't have everything, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I were you going for uh, a Richard DeLong Adams double feature here, and I was Mister DeLong Adams obsessed with prison films or something? He might have been, but I it was it was totally by accident then, you know. And it's weird that those were were these like back to back in Jim Brown's career. It was kind of weird. It's pretty close. I think the other one would be seventy three, seventy four as well. Yeah. I'll look right now. You continue yeah, the and um, the captain from. Uh, oh, wait a minute. That okay? Never mind. Sorry. No problem. <laughs> yeah, the slams was seventy three as well. Okay. But yeah, I enjoyed the this one. I uh, had a fun time with that. How about you guys? So, Jamie, tell us about Christopher George's dick. Tell us all about it. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I <laughs> while I was perusing some things while I was watching the film. I'm, I was just like doing a little research here and there on the internet. And I came across a, just a random fact about Christopher George and Jim Brown that I did not know specifically about Christopher George, that they were both centerfolds in Playgirl magazine. Oh, nice. I had no idea. And I did not expect that of Christopher George. So of course I had to look it up. And it's this really bizarre pictorial that he did where he's posing with a, like, a slice of watermelon. <laughs> he's eating watermelon, but, like, with a knife. It's not even, I'm, I don't know, it's bizarre. And, what kind um, of animal does that? I, <laughs> I'll, actually, I'll send you the picture, Mike, because I know you're dying to see. But, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> that was something that I did not know my life was missing. I still don't think it was. But, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't missing that at all. But now I have it. It's it's now burned in my brain uh, never to go anywhere. So if anyone is ever wondering, hey, was Christopher George in Playgirl magazine? Why, yes, he was. And apparently so was Jim Brown. So that's something else they have in common. I really did enjoy this film. I uh, when Before I watched it, because this is one that I had never seen. <clears throat> so before I watched it... I looked it up really quick, and the description that I read mentioned submissive native women and a colony of lepers. And I said, sold. I am in. So (laughs) I 
I do lament that it took them a little while to get to the submissive native women and the colony of lepers. But um, once we did get to the actual escape part, we had this amazing, amazingly bad shark attack, which was just fantastic. I mean, he's flailing his stump of an arm in the ocean and it is so incredibly fake. Uh, it doesn't even, they don't, they didn't try really hard, I swear. But um, that was, uh, that was just classic. I, how can you not, how can you not just be all over that? So, yeah, I have to say I quite enjoyed it. Also, wasn't, didn't I see, um, what's his name? Bob Harris. Wasn't he also in this one as well as being in the slams? Or was that just someone that reminded me of him? Because I think... Uh, he's the barber in uh, I Escaped, and I'm trying to remember who he was in The Slams. Okay, he was the captain. Oh, that's right, yeah. Captain Stamble. And, um, okay, I thought that was him, but I was like, maybe I'm just imagining things because I just saw him. Because so, I watched these back-to-back. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. There's another another connection for you. Well, they're both they're both Corman produced films, I think. So I'm well, sure they, and yeah, they... both both produced specifically by Gene Corman. Yes. So um, uh, Roger's little brother. So yeah, I mean, it makes total sense. Same time period. So I mean, yeah. So yeah, I had quite a bit of I had quite a bit of fun with this, and um, it reminded me of a joke my mother told me when I was very young. What do you call three lepers in a hot tub? <laughs> Soup? Stew, yes. Stew, yes. Stew, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, the wrong word. Stew. <laughs> and I was thinking the whole time they were at the leper colony, don't eat that. Don't eat that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were interacting with them a lot more than I would have. And he's like, there are worse things than leprosy. And I'm like, really? <laughs> he's like, tuberculosis. I'm like, I don't think that's worse than leprosy. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty bad, but... I don't know if it's worse than leprosy. <laughs> so long as you don't steal the leprous shiny cross, you'll be okay. See. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it was fun. Oh, me? It it, it, it was it was pretty fun. I, I like the the whole <clears throat> feel because it's right in there with those, like Mike mentioned, the big bird cage. It's right in there with with the time they were making these kind of movies, and I imagine this was made in, in the Philippines or some other island somewhere. And uh, <laughs> Jim Brown right away just. <laughs> Just, you know, being as tough as he could be from the opening frame all the way till, you know, pretty much the end where it goes from, this like Mike said, that this, this, the escape from Devil's Island, which you should never make your fucking raft out of, out of, out of pig blubber, apparently, because the, it's going to attract sharks, and, you know, that might be a bad idea, and, uh, <clears throat> and that was hilarious, by the way, you, you, you were correct, he's just flailing around like, yeah, help me, please, help me, just like he's bobbing around in the water, like he's and torso, and um, a scene I love that nobody mentioned was the part where <laughs> they put Jim Brown up against the the, um, the big fat guy in the wrestling match because they were really sloppy. But you, if you ever never seen Jim Brown drop kick somebody in a movie, this is the movie you need to watch. And uh, that was a great drop kick. He gets that great backbreaker finisher. Which uh, did he break his spine? I'm not sure, but it looked really cool. You're you're the pop of it, and the yeah, you assume yeah, this guy's dead because Jim Brown, you know, um, yeah, that 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 whole second part of the movie with the lepers and 
uh, that woman's poor vagina getting roasted on an open flame. That was that was pretty that was pretty extreme. They didn't show it or anything, but you had to imagine that that's what these guys were doing to this poor woman for to get information by roasting your lady parts over an open flame. That's a uh, that's pretty terrible. I could have done without the pig slaughter. Um, well, yeah, yeah, me too. I was having flashbacks to Cannibal Holocaust. I don't know that that was actually real. I because I couldn't tell you because I wasn't watching it. Like I was hiding behind my fingers. <laughs> yeah, I did notice that they cut away or they moved they, up when. Yeah, he I noticed that too. When he, when he, yeah. yeah, when he actually made the slice, we didn't see it, and then we cuts back down, and I saw that there was like a wound, but I looked away at that point. So he did smile like he was in a Mentos commercial when he put that knife through that pig's gullet, though. <laughs> where did where were they getting their makeup? The prisoners, I mean. Oh, all the like the drag prisoners. Yes. I don't know. I was thinking maybe like berries or that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, oh, that that's was a, a good. Or you know the Avon lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, the, the, that last part where it basically turns into like the end of the Three Amigos almost. Like let's save the native people, but we we for. Uh, <laughs> You think you'd be trying to escape further, but no, let's let's just uh, stub our antics with these 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 crazy soldiers that are after all of after us, and and that, it's just a lot of fun for that reason. It's just a lot of like two movies rolled into one, two plots almost, and again, like James said, a lot of fun with it. Uh, uh, Jim Brown wrestling match for the win. It was a it was a good time. But I'll uh, kick it to Mike and uh, ask him anything else you'd like to say about it. And what is his rating? One to ten. Uh, I would give this probably solid seven. Um, you know, people rag on uh, athletes who become actors, and I think Jim Brown doesn't necessarily get the credit that he deserves because I thought he did a really good job in this to the point where, you know, other than his magnificent physique, you sometimes forget that he didn't start out as an actor. And he had been doing quite a bit by this time. I mean, this was, you know, post slaughter and slaughter's big rip, rip off. Uh, but you know, I, I mean, I, I've loved the guy ever since like the split. I don't know if I saw, well, actually I, I take it back. I saw the dirty dozen. He was fantastic in that as well. And I can see him getting better with each role. And I thought he held this movie together really well. And I didn't care about the other prisoners too much. I was very invested in Jim Brown and that was about it. And I, I think that was kind of the right way to go because he's just the coolest. Cool. Jamie. I have to agree with everything that, uh, why is Mike just said, uh, I often forgot. I was like, oh, yeah, this is Jim Brown. I kept having to remind myself that, you know, he didn't start out as an actor because honestly he's very good and he's very smooth. He has a very smooth delivery. He's just cool. And, I just, he always has this, and in the next film, it, it's kind of highlighted. He always has this very cool demeanor, regardless of what's going on. He's just, I don't know, it's like he oozes badass. And uh, he's very believable. And I think in pictures like this, it's, uh, he shines. You know, it's just, it's it's fun to watch him. And I had fun watching it. So I will also give it a seven. Yeah, it's sevens all around. Like I said, it, it was the first time watch. Both these films are first time watches for me. I think I heard John Cross review the Slams one time on his show. Made me want to watch it, and it was a. 
this was you know, everything you wanted to be in a film like this, and in a prison film slash, you know, every other thing that this film's got going on. It's just a crazy '70s uh, exploitation film, and not a lot of those work, uh, uh, you know, and so, sometimes. And this one really works because uh, your star and uh, he shines pretty bright in this one. So uh, seven out of ten for me as well. But uh, up next. We will be discussing the slams from 1973, and we will do that right after the break.
His name is Hook. And they swallowed his bait. Jim Brown is Hook. He rips off the mafia for a million five, but his line gets snagged. And now he's in the slams. Face front, hold the card on your chest. Memorize your CPI number, stencil it on all your possessions. Jim Brown is Curtis Hook, the man with a million on ice, the big dream. Look out, Walt! If he can live to spend it. We want the dope, Hook, and the money. There you go, singing the same old song, Sergeant. Your civil rights will be protected to the full extent of our capability. <laughs> The slams, a thousand times worse than any ghetto. Come on, you hokey suckers. A battleground where desperate men sell their souls to stay alive. <laughs> There's a contract out on you, Hook, and I've got it. The organization wants their money. Now you listen to this, Capiello, and you listen right. But if you kill me, that's the end of it. Hook! The hook wants out, real bad. But who could he trust? You either cooperate with me, I'll have your boyfriend in a padded cell. The brothers, they stick together and help each other. Nobody can handle it all by themselves in the slams. I want a tough man like you to give me some leverage with the brothers. A million five. That's cool, baby. But what good is a trunk full of bucks when your life ain't worth a dime? The slams, savage men in an iron jungle where only the strong survive. Jim Brown is Curtis Hook, the man who wants out from the slams. Have all crosses reports me once with their floor plans and escape SOTs. Full scale lockdowns with further notice. We're gonna keep him inside. But would he pay the price? A million or his life. Watch out for the hook caught in the slams. The slams, also from 1973. Um, cheapo plot synopsis is this. I'll read this whole thing because it's kind of stupidly written. Uh, everybody's after the money is stolen by Hook, played by Jim Brown, including the villainous guard, Captain Stan Bell. They call it a hokey but entertaining 70s film. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Uh, stars Jim Brown as as Curtis X Hook, uh, Judy Pace, Roland Bob. What's that guy's Ro Roland Bob Harris. Okay, there we go. Uh, Paul Harris. No relation. No relation, really, huh? I would have had no idea. <laughs> Apparently, lurches in this movie. Ted Cassidy. That's kind of awesome. And I thought I recognized him too, but um, I'll shoot it to, to, to I'll shoot it to Jamie first and uh, ask her what she thought about the slams. Well, I'll I'll tell you, I enjoyed this one as well. Not quite as much as Devil's Island because there was a severe lack of lepers, but I did get Dick Miller as a cab driver. Hell which, yes. He does feel like <laughs> Which made me so happy. And not that it's a big surprise because it being a Corman production, you know, he tends to show up there. So it's not 
I wasn't like, oh, my God, Dick Miller. But I was like, oh, my God, Dick Miller. Like, it just, to me, he automatically makes things better. And his whole stumbling over how to refer to the guy that robbed him last was cracking me up with his, like, you know, it was a color, I mean, a, a Negro, I mean, a black, I mean, Afro-American. <laughs> like, <laughs> just stop talking. Stop talking, Dick. It was uh, it was classic, but this was, in a lot of ways, it was it kind of reminded me of things like, uh, okay, this is going to sound very bizarre, probably, but when I say in in some ways, it reminded me of Shawshank. Oh yeah, yeah, no, totally. You, okay, you got that too. Okay, yeah, and I don't <laughs> know if it was just every prison movie seemed similar, but yeah, I totally picked up on that too. Okay, thank God, because I'm like, people are out there going to be going, shut the fuck up, because <laughs> very different films, very different quality films, of course, but I, I did, I, I thought of that film quite a bit. I also thought of things like Bad Boys, and I mean the Sean Penn Bad Boys, not yes. the Martin Lawrence Bad Boys. Um, part of that was also because of um, one of the, I don't know his name, the... the um, the really tall guy, the the really tall bad guy. Oh, is that who that is? Okay, yeah. I'm not familiar with him, he, but he reminded me of Clancy Brown. Well, that's he Lurch. did not, not look like Lurch in this. Yeah, no. that's Lurch. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Well, that no, that makes total sense because I kept thinking, I know him from somewhere. Something about him is familiar. It's vague. Like I just I couldn't place it. So he kind of reminded me of a cross between like. Clancy Brown and guy I can never remember his name who played Jaws. Okay, uh, Richard Keel. Keel. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I was trying to, uh, I was trying to place it, and like I just feel like I know him from something. Something about him was really familiar, and that explains it. Because no, he doesn't look like Lurch, but knowing that, I can totally see it. So that actually makes me feel better that I'm not crazy. But that's wild. Hey, okay, because I don't know hey, if I've ever. Hey, seen hey, let's not get carried away. What? We didn't say you're not crazy. Oh. <laughs> well, all right. At least not when it comes to that. Okay. I don't know if I've ever seen him in anything else, but that's funny. So, uh, yeah, this was um, had a lot of violence, uh, which well, you know, that's okay with me. I uh, and I don't know if I want to like spoil like one of my favorite parts, but I really love the part where. Uh, where they find out how he aimed to make them believe that he had not gotten out. Hmm. If that makes any sense. <laughs> it was very brutal. Uh, at the very end. Yes. Like the cement mixer. Cement mixer, I'll say that. So, that was very cool. I, whoops. You know, I really like this one too. I also liked his girlfriend, which I've seen her in a lot of stuff. And I like her quite a bit. So... Yeah, this was good. I I enjoyed both of these films quite a bit. Uh, Mike. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I hadn't seen this and I yeah, I tend to not go for prison movies too often because a lot of them follow the same beats, but I was very happy when this well, when uh, and spoilers galore, but he escapes from Devil's Island in this one as well. He gets out of prison in this as well, but it takes a little bit longer in this one. And I like the post-prison stuff that was going on and the things that were happening outside of there. I also like the way that he just wasn't taking shit from anybody inside of the prison. 
Um, but yeah, I totally picked up on, he's definitely no Andy Dufresne. He is much more of a badass in this. And I love that he gives as good as he gets. And it was great having Ted Cassidy as the villain because Ted Cassidy just comes across as a bullet bully in this and is just such a like, Oh, he must slip to one of these kind of guys. And when Jim Brown takes him to task, it's like, yes, just kick that guy's ass, please. And it was great too, having Cassidy tower over Jim Brown, who's already well over six feet tall and having Cassidy be this bigger villain. It was good to see such a, a big man fall for Jim Brown. Yeah. I totally forgot to mention that whole Game of Thrones moment with the molten. Oh, that was awesome. That was that was so cool. I I was damn. I mean, first of all, it looked really good. It did. It did. I was amazed. Like it looked so good. And and it's brutal as hell. Yes. And just uh, if folks are looking for more Ted Cassidy, I mostly remember him from, of course, Adam's family. But he also he has a great role in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, where I think it's – I can't remember if it's Paul Newman or uh, or Robert Redford, but somebody gets to kick him square in the nuts. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> I and don't then think if, I ever realized that was him. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. And then of course he was uh one of the uh one of the creatures in the original Star Trek where he had just a ton of makeup on but he looked fantastic cuz he already has that kind of otherworldly look to him. Cool. Anything else, Michael? No, no. Um first thing I'll say about this film if you guys if listeners like Brawl and Cell Block 99, I think they'll really enjoy the slams because I think Mr. Yeah. Mr. Zoller took some notes while watching this movie, especially in the uh, the 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 way he how he gets into prison, you know, mm-hmm. not so much the way he goes about prison because I I can't deny the the powerhouse Vince Vaughn just stomping somebody's face into the concrete that that's a that's something to behold. You know? Um, I almost mentioned that one as well, so I definitely got that vibe. I still haven't watched that one. I hear I need to though. It's very good. It's. I, it's very brutal, but and kind of leisurely paced, I guess at times because it really just kind of cranks into gear at the at the end and just gets goes nuts. Mm. But I thought it was very good. I enjoyed Vaughn's character quite a bit. But yeah, there, there's that, and I think uh, this is a more condensed version. It's only ninety minutes. Uh, people tell me that Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine is too long because it does come in right around two hours and. There, there are parts that I agree, yeah, that they could cut out, but this is a more... It's it's almost like, um... Because the whole plot of the movie is he's... He dumped the drugs, but he stole the money. He's got stashed away somewhere. $1.5 million. And, uh... For some reason, this is enough to split amongst a whole lot of people, which I think that's unbelievable, but... Th- th- there you go. That's my only real problem with the film, is the amount of money that they all seem to be going after... Even in even seventy three, that that doesn't seem like a huge amount to me. But um, yeah, I I like his his style. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like um, oh, so look for here, kind of like a, mm, I want to say cool hand Luke, but it's not the same deal, you know. But they had the same kind of interactions where he's kind of playing everybody in the prison, including you know anybody he can get his hands on, whether it's guard or the the captain or whatever, just to eventually 
take that giant hook of his and get out of prison. And I, I think it's really fun to just to, to, just to watch how, how easy it, it came to him. And I look at the director. Did you talk to the director when you did Over the Edge, Mike? No, no. Jonathan Kaplan was uh, not willing to talk about uh, Over the Edge or pretty much anything but he sent me for whatever reason uh probably because i was telling him how much i love truck turner he sent me a dvd of truck turner i'm like okay i own the i already own this but thank you (laughs) anyway (laughs) but yeah kaplan is fantastic and you could see what a great director he was in this and this is one of his earliest things i think he had just done what some was it night duty nurses he did with gene corman at this point Mm -hmm. and yeah he was uh he was, is a great director. I also like too the way that it's not just Jim Brown versus the guards, Jim Brown versus some of the other prisoners, but there's also that mob angle that's happening inside of the prison. So you've got him, it's basically him against everybody and trying to find, you know, people that will help him out. So, but I really like that whole idea of the mob inside of there and the old yeah. Italian guy with the who can throw down. Yeah, and the super plush thing. But yeah, I love that fight that is going on with the the other prisoner. That's great. Well, obviously, the people you stole money from have people on the inside, and there's always yeah. that angle in these prison movies that you know we're, we're, we're going to send a message to this one to get you and. He just seems to outsmart everybody, and it's it's a lot of fun to watch. And the, the how the whole escape thing set up, like Jay mentioned with the cement mixer, I don't want to give it away either because it, it's it's pretty brilliant. It's almost like uh, if Jim Brown was in an Ocean's Eleven movie, but it's a Prison Break movie. And I'm like, yeah, he he had that plot all worked out. You know, well, how's it end? Him just having drinks on a yacht with some white folks. And, you know, and hell like, yes. <laughs> it's like, yep, I fooled all you people. Them's them's the breaks in the slams. Yeah, I couldn't recall because it was such a big show, Mike, that Over the Edge, I should re-listen to that real soon because you had a lot of folks on there if you got the director or not. And he's been other stuff, other stuff I like too, like Project X, which, you know, makes me weep every time Bluebeard gets blasted by the radiation. Like, no, you know. Even as a kid, even now as an adult, I, I know it's coming, like, I just get real sad. You know? Oh, yeah. That's one reason why I've never gone back to that movie because it was so depressing when I saw it. Oh, my gosh. But the slams, like I said, it's 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 a much better version of uh, of Brawl and Cell Block '99, just for the fact that it's, it's more condensed. It's not as violent, but again, it it fits in the the echelon of what these films are going for, and uh, all, all the interactions, the prison. That that, that this this was a lot more fun to me because it's more. It felt like more like one movie rather than Devil's Island, but like a couple of movies. It's it's not a fault at all. It's just, I like the slams better because of that. And, uh, so I might give it a higher rating. I haven't decided yet, but, uh, I'm, I'm going to kick it to Jamie and ask her anything else she'd like to say about the slams. And what is her rating, 1 to 10? Um, just basically, if you are a fan of any of the movies that we've name checked, then you'll probably get some enjoyment out of this. Oh, I don't know. Maybe not Shawshank. I don't know. <laughs> there are some similarities, but not, it, it, you know. I don't know. Um, I, you know, I liked it. I think I, like I said, I did have a little more fun with Devil's Island, but only because it was, there was a little, that whole, I just, I don't know, the leper thing just tickled me. And, (laughs) um, however, I think I'm going to also give this one a seven, just because I liked it for different reasons. 
and I really I really enjoyed the brutal moments in this, the fight scenes, the you know, it was and now that I know that was lurch, that makes me happy. So, yeah, I'm going to go with a 7 for this one as well. Cool. Like yeah, I actually am there with you, Gary. I like this a, a little bit more than Devil's Island. I think just because I like the villains more in this. Because we didn't necessarily have a, a one central villain in this film or necessarily even in uh, Devil's Island. But I like that the villains were more uh, competently drawn, it felt like. So that you did have like the Ted Cassidy, the mob guy, this guy, that guy. And so, yeah, I, I would give this one an eight and this is something that I would probably go back to. Cool. Um, yeah, I know that scream factory has a, or shout factory, whatever the name of the company's head has a hold of all, a whole lot of Corman library. I'm not sure if this is among it, but I hope it gets a nice print one of these days. This would make a nice two pack. Like like, like to put together. And by the way, Jamie, uh, Judy Pace, who played hooks woman, was also the movie Frogs. That's probably where you, you, you might That's exactly it. That, I mean, that's exactly what I was picturing, or how I was picturing her in my head. Mm, I watched it recently, too. It looks pretty good on Blu-ray. And, um, yeah, real fun. It, it, it does everything it's supposed to be doing, and uh, I, I, I give it an, an 8 as well. I still like I'm really discounting this film. I think, hey, you gave it an 8 as well, but I, I, really, I really liked it. But I think I need to watch it a couple more times to take it all in. Because these are both first-time watches for me. But, um, yeah, that's about the end of that one. And uh, right after this, we're going to uh, same segment, new title, <laughs> right after the break, and we'll close out the show. Here's what some people are saying about the Projection Booth podcast. The Projection Booth is single-handedly the greatest film podcast you could ever listen to or could possibly want. Top-notch. Five stars. This has quickly become one of my favorite film-related podcasts. Always interesting. A completely unpretentious yet fully comprehensive look at films from all genres. This podcast is an amazing resource and one that helps in the discovery or rediscovery of films for anyone who enjoys thinking about cinema. If you love movies and podcasts, subscribe and enjoy The Projection Booth. Every episode is beautifully crafted to give you a true audio experience. A wonderful companion to the films they cover. The Projection Booth is awesome. A wide range of films covered from classic to cult to contemporary. Thoroughly researched, very entertaining, and always informative. The amount of work and effort that goes into this podcast is something to behold. Interviews, critiques, music, and trailers. These are just the tip of the encyclopedic completeness each episode holds. It's also really fun. I listen to a lot of movie podcasts, and there are a lot of really good ones out there. But The Projection Booth is by far the only one I listen to with any regularity. It's like a special features disc of your favorite Criterion Collection release. The Projection Booth Podcast, with new episodes available every week at projectionboothpodcast.com. Doms and subs, masters, mistresses, and slaves... Owners and pets, daddies, mommies, and littles, primals and prey, switches, heathens, kinksters, and deviants, welcome to Legion After Dark. Legion After Dark is a movie review podcast with a kinky twist. 
I'm your host, Lady M, and every episode I'll be reviewing a movie with a BDSM or kink theme. I'll also be talking about books, sex toys, bondage equipment, all the fun things that make life grand. I'll be featuring a different kink each episode, and I'll even give you a song to sing to. So join us on Legion After Dark, coming soon to Legion Podcast Network. This is uh, our Dead Seven People, which uh, I think that I've got two titles going on right now that are at, at, at odds in the polls. Uh, the Butcher's Block and The Beef Has Churned, so it's going to be called one of those things next episode. It's, it's up to your votes, of course. But uh, this is the, the segment where we talk about how folks died. I mean, how, how folks died. Folks that have died that are, uh, you know, have, have either touched us or just, just uh, come up. Um... First one is uh, someone I've actually interacted with a couple of times. He was a, a little person actor, uh, Vern Troyer, who was, uh, most folks would know as Mini-Me in those Austin Powers movies. But um, he died of alcohol poisoning, which this is a guy who, who liked to have a good time, and I knew this because I've known people that hung out with him at bars, and he would he would hit him pretty hard. But um, he was a real nice guy. I, I, he Everybody... He'd been, been hitting the social media, the folks that have been working with him, and really enjoyed working with him because he was that type of nice guy. And I've, I've interacted with him a few times, even just, you know, walking the convention floor. He'd be on his, uh, his scooter, because that's how a lot of folks, people, those folks traveled around convention floors and stop and say hello. I mean, I, I think that I'm not quite as, as cool, wasn't quite as cool as I am with Kane Hodder, because Kane Hodder can spot me in a crowd and just almost knock me down with them big old shoulders of his. But... <laughs> Vern was a real sweet guy. He, he worked in uh, a lot of different different films that required a person of his stature. And uh, I'm sad to see him go. Uh, Jamie, anything else you want to say about Vern? Well, I have never had any interactions with him myself. But I think it's interesting. I'm glad to hear so many people say that he was a really nice guy because I always liked him. And I had heard some disparaging things about him over the years like people just saying that he was kind of a dick and it, that made me sad but then since his death I have been hearing nothing but good things about him so um, that makes me feel a little better because I didn't I didn't want him to be a dick I wanted him to be <laughs> a nice guy and you know uh, it so yeah I mean I, I am sad to see him go but it's nice to hear good things about him, nice things about him. I'm glad people are being kind. That's good. Um, Mike, anything you want to say about him at all? I know I know. Uh, you watch a lot of choice cinema. Have you crossed paths with any of his films before? Oh, yeah. Well, I've watched all the Austin Powers films, and then um, he was in Postal, which I absolutely love. Oh, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, that's uh, Uwe Boll's, my second favorite Uwe Boll film right behind Auschwitz. But yeah, it, um, yeah, I'm also in uh, the camp with Jamie as far as I had also heard that he was kind of a dick, probably because of his performance. And I know it's a performance when you're on reality shows, his performance on um, whatever that 
one was it the surreal was on the life? H1. Was it the surreal life? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that might be why I'm. That might be where my tales came from too. So right. that seems vaguely familiar. And I know he didn't have the easiest life in the world, but it's always difficult for me to to root for somebody who's an alcoholic. So it's just like, yeah, okay. But yeah. I mean, like I said, I know he had a rough life, so it's. Uh, I'm sad that he's not with us anymore. Oh, yeah, big one that uh, it taught me many things. I'm sure he could sure to play this. Was Bob DeRoe, who was a performer and writer for Schoolhouse Rock. Uh, of course, that came out in the 70s, but it, it, it ran well through the 80s, all the, all the repeats of those segments. And I watched him, and I can say I learned some stuff from him. I'm, I'm still learning stuff from him today, and I, I still share that I'm just a Bill video every time that somebody says, oh, rah, 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 well, this is going to become a law. It's like, just, just watch the Schoolhouse Rock video, and it'll teach you how Bill becomes a law, okay? It just, it'll, it'll, it'll teach you some stuff. And apparently uh, he was a jazz musician, and... Uh, from from St. Bethel, Pennsylvania. He died at 94, so he lived a long life, but that, that schoolhouse rock, they taught you, you know, if you're you showing your kids this, I think that you should show your kids this, and they taught you about arithmetic and how to put form sentences and history and all kinds of stuff, and uh, that that, uh, that was a big part of my life, just watching those in-between segments between in between my cartoons. But I'll kick it to Mike first and ask him, uh, what's his thoughts on this? You know, I saw the headlines that somebody from Schoolhouse Rock had passed away, but I wasn't sure exactly what role he had played, if it was an animator or a singer or voice. So uh, if he was the voice of the guy from Conjunction Junction, then yeah, that's a total bummer because that was the best one of those. But also he had done a ton of other voices on Schoolhouse Rock, and that was one of those, you know, we were just talking before we started recording that we've got nine years between us but yeah every saturday morning in between cartoons showing all those schoolhouse rocks was actually kind of the highlight cool jamie jamie maybe jamie's not with us anymore <laughs> she's still sorry i'm here there she goes okay uh i second that you should show it to your children when i was a nanny the little girl that i took care of as soon as she got to the age where she could begin to understand things and that was very young. I bought her Schoolhouse Rock on DVD, and we would watch it together. And I would also, uh, I also homeschooled her a little bit. So this was part of our curriculum, and she grew up loving them. And, you know, fast forward like uh, a bunch of years, and she's in college now and making straight A's. So I take full full credit for that um <laughs> no i don't really but but it was de- it definitely i think helped to provide a foundation where she enjoyed learning because she always had a really good time with that and if you follow me on facebook occasionally you will see that i sometimes get disgruntled with the way people treat the english language and i'll start posting things and um it wasn't that long ago that I was posting a stream of grammar lessons and what some of them came from. Schoolhouse Rock. And sometimes I just get to the point where I can't take it anymore. And I think, what is wrong with the world? Oh, I know they don't watch Schoolhouse Rock anymore. So, yeah, that was a big deal for me as a kid. And it's just like, just like you said, Mike, 
Saturday morning cartoons slit. They slide them in between, and it, it, I don't. It just they were so catchy and fun, and there were things that, it, that made them stick. Mm-hmm. You know, the rules would stick in your head. So, yeah, that was good stuff. A uh, really important part of my formative years. So I'm very sad, but it does sound like he had a full life. My goodness, he was up there. Oh man! Well, the next one. <laughs> Hits my childhood even harder because this one, uh, he, he, it's, it, if you guys know who, who Michael Baldwin is, a Michael Baldwin from the Phantasm series. Sure. His, his father did cartoons, some pretty important ones, and he passed away. Uh, Ger- Gerard, um, Gerard Baldwin, uh, created such characters, created such characters as Mr. Magoo, Rocky and Bullwinkle, the, Sm- oh, wow. the Smurfs, just to name a few of stuff that he worked on. And this is all stuff I watched as a kid. I still watch. I still see the great humor in Rocky and Bullwinkle, and I still watch that today. The Smurfs, not so much. But you know, I think I watch that Mr. Magoo Christmas special every Christmas time. It's one of the one of the ones on the short list, and that that's always there. And uh, yeah, his his work will always forever be in my my soul, especially that that Rocky and Bullwinkle action. But uh, Jamie, what do you think, girl? Well, again, another sad one. I, I did not know that was a Michael Baldwin's father, though. That's, that, that's very how I interesting. That's he passed away because I'm friends with him on Facebook. So, oh wow, shared the story. okay, small world. Yeah, um, I always loved Mr. Magoo. I used to do an impression of him. I don't think I can do it anymore. But when I was really young, I did an impression of him, <laughs> which is weird. I always did impressions of guy characters. I don't know why. <laughs> But I would do Jimmy Stewart from um, It's a Wonderful Life and and uh, Hooper from Jaws, mm-hmm. Mr. Magoo. I I don't think I ever did any female impressions. She's got those city <laughs> hands, man. See? I've <laughs> <laughs> been counting money all his life. Been counting money all your life. Yes, indeed. Michael. Yeah, I don't really have much to add. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. I don't know why I say this one for last, but this would be an unpopular one to talk about. Uh, but she's the first first lady that I was aware of. And uh, first lady, first mother, apparently, Barbara Bush, passed away. And I can't say that I, I have personal, personal thoughts towards her, but I don't really like it when people are on the internet talking about, yeah, I forget what they're saying, but basically, like, you know, oh, George deserves this, George is next, yada, yada, yada. The man just lost his wife. Just put your feelings aside or your hatred for the man and, you know, and, and his son and all that stuff. And just uh, just look at a guy that just lost his wife, even if she was 93 years old, and just, you know, let her rest for a day or two. And then throw some jabs if you want to. But uh, this, they yeah. they dove right in with that shit. It really, it really bothered me. But, um, yeah, he came, in, he came into office when I was very young. So this is, like, the first first lady that I knew what a first lady was. And... It's special for that reason, I guess, because the presidency is such a big thing in our society. You know, whether it's good or bad, it's just—it's very—it's been always a very, very, very prevalent thing. I think we've had a mock election when I was in like the third or fourth grade. Uh, who's going to win, Bush or Dukakis? You kids could vote too, and that was a lot of fun. If I, I don't know if I remember that for, but it was—it was—it was something that was in the classroom and. That's funny. We had a mock election a couple years ago. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Yo, so for, uh, okay, come sorry, on. Mike. Plenty of people plenty of people voted. They were all just named Ivan, that's all. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
Ivan Drago. Well, the, from Mike, who also shares my pain of living in Michigan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> At least it stops snowing. There's always that, you know. I it know, might start I, again tomorrow. You never know. I mean, you could have seen my jaw hit the floor <laughs> when it came down to us. And I'm like, what are you doing? That was, yeah. Wow. Um, you know, I a friend of mine posted something about Barbara the other day, and I thought it was it was kind of sweet. She's like, basically, uh, I guess when she was in elementary school, Barbara Bush came and addressed her school and about something about drugs. And she said, so what she said was, you know, I spoke to her a little while she was there. She shook my hand. She talked to me for a few minutes and she was really, really nice. And <laughs> she ended that with her son might be an idiot, but she was a very sweet lady. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. I, she always, you know, honestly did come off that way to me. I, I thought she seemed like she'd be a very nice lady. So, you know, I hope she, I don't know. I hope she's peaceful wherever she is. Yeah. I never met her. And I, I don't have any ill will towards the lady per- personally myself, but I just, I just didn't enjoy people just like, you know, shit on him like right away he's like oh, 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 fuck fuck you fuck your fucking wife too you know all this fucking shit and it- i mean honestly if you have an issue with george either of them for whatever reason what the hell does that have to do with her and that was my thing why that do was you want to wish horrible things on her you know that was my thing about the whole thing i was like why you guys gotta do that for you <laughs> just stop it <laughs> I mean, that just seems mean right uh what about you mike yeah, I don't have any real thoughts. I mean, I I barely remember um those 4 years that Bush was uh president, thank goodness. Um and then when she was the uh the W's mother, uh, she was just kind of out of the limelight. So, yeah, whatever. Fair enough. Um that brings I remember us Remember the oh, uh, that that Bush election was the first election that I voted in. And remember, my dad and I had very different political views. It was and, a real Kang and Kodo situation. Go and yeah. throw your vote away, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I did vote for Ross Perot in that election. Oh. I'm just kidding around. I'm sorry. That was a bad joke. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Ross, Ross was the butt end of lots of good jokes. I was, so. think, I was thinking about how much he... Re- Back then, I swear to God, every time I saw him, I saw the Purdue chicken guy. Oh, God, yeah. Those and I don't even remember his ears. name. Yeah. But he and Ross Perot were like the same person as far as I was concerned. <laughs> That's about the end of the show. I don't have any other deaths to speak of, you know. Uh, but I'm going to ask Mike to uh, pimp his stuff. Oh, well, thank you. So, yeah, if folks are interested in listening to me blather on, you can come on over to projection-booth.com and got a new show every week. I think only crazy people put out new shows every week. Psychotic people, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And then, yeah, you can always go over if you like Kolchak or supernatural or the x-files or any of those spooky shows we talk about quite a few of them but mostly concentrating on kolchak the stalker over at kolchaktapes.com makes sense thanks cool. jamie's got a lot of stuff to talk about go for it girl hell yeah she does <laughs> i'm gonna go hit the restroom while she's talking because this is gonna be a while yes. <laughs> no it's not that bad um 
We just recorded a new episode of Devour the Podcast last night, so look for that one to be coming out soon. Uh, I've already mentioned, I think, that that was Embrace of the Vampire and Inc., which I found out was... Was that pre-show that we were talking about that or during the show? I think during the show. I think it might have been during. It was during. Yeah, so... You know, I now know where that came from. So that was an interesting coincidence. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. I also released today. Well, I'm not sure if Jason put it up yet, but I sent him the latest episode of Attack of the Colossal Collection, which, of course, is this crazy experiment that Brian and I are going through where we're watching every single movie we own and decided to talk about it. So... We finally finished our first 50-pack in this episode. It took us three, I think, I think it can, hmm, I think it took three episodes for us to talk about those movies, because we try to keep it at an hour. It's very quick-paced, very rapid-fire, and <clears throat> we do like 15 or so movies at a time. So this was the end of our first 50-pack, and pretty interesting how many movies are not horror movies in a box set that's supposed to be horror movies but you know what are you gonna do uh also today uh the latest episode of the married with children podcast came out and that everything i I think that might be it okay i think it is (laughs) yeah this one uh, and, the, and the show you're listening to, I do the same mistake on Two Drink and Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. That's only two podcasts, by the way, guys. Uh, can be both be found on LegionPodcast.com, along with a lot of other great shows. Uh, check that out. Um, yeah, Fleas and Flicks this winter. Uh, keep, keep an eye out. I'll be announcing some some items for that. It'll probably be done on Facebook again, because the website was uh, a little hard to get done, but the... the event page seemed to work a whole lot better for folks to find it and not to log in or get tossed out by logging in and it was it was it was a mess but uh, anyway <laughs> uh find me on twitter at gw and at cinebeefcast um next show it's the uh the big show with with, with everybody everybody should be in tow because we're gonna be with the horror mafia guys talking about two films um they have automotive automotive destruction involved in them, being uh, Rolling Vengeance and The Wraith, which Mike has done. Check out that show, guys. That was an excellent show. Well, thank you. Lots lots of interviews and goodies on there for you guys to listen to. And, um, yeah, all those guys should be your Don, Donnie Rings, the Terrible Tanya, Baby Joey, and uh, Big Bill should all be in tow for that one. And um, you can check out their show at Horophilia.com. But I have nothing else really to say, but um, this has been your Sin and Beef Podcast, where if you've got beef, we've got the grinder. See you next time. I woke up on the cement floor this morning. My head felt like somebody been a-walking on it. I don't know how I got here, I don't remember nothing at all But if I've done all the things that they said I did, well I sure must have had a ball But in 30 more days I'm going back home to see that gal of mine But the Wichita jail is a long, long way from the Tupelo County line I gotta do my time But I ain't gotta send all the money I had, I spent it Shirts torn, my shoes got 
a big hole in it There's a king-sized knot on the side of my head And I got one big black eye But brother, if you think I look bad Y'all ought to see that other guy Well, in 30 more days I'm going back home to see that gal of mine But the Wichita jail is a long, long way From the Tupelo County line I gotta do my time I gotta do my time. I gotta do my time. 